Hello and welcome to a new episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Six. Uh, we hope that everyone enjoyed the the virtue series that we just played here over our little vacation. And on that note, we've had a number of people listening, reaching out to us in various different ways. The two easiest ways that you can reach out to us is at Father and Joe on Twitter, or you can send us an email, Father and Joe at Gmail. It's the two easiest ways to get a hold of us. And early in the process, we were identified that we had uploaded the same episode twice for vacations was the same as the episode before it. We have since fixed that. I thank you all for letting me know about that. Um, and if anyone else would ever want to reach out about something that you'd like to discuss or have a comment about the show, those are the two forums in which we you know are able to, to get you the most easiest. And Father, today, one of our topics today come directly from a listener who sent us a question that I think would be something that would be worth addressing. And since it's directly quoting the Bible, I'm going to give you a chance to read that, A, because I'm not good at reading stuff, and B, you do it all the time, every day for Mass. So if there's going to be anyone more accustomed to the words of the Bible, it's going to be you. So I want to give you a chance to start us off and go from there. Great. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, our uh, one of the listeners sent a, a great question. It's uh, like what you often do, and I appreciate so much, reading the scripture carefully often brings up questions. And I really appreciate the uh, the concluding sentence the listener said, I don't think Jesus is contradicting himself, but it's a matter of my misunderstanding. It would be helpful if you and Father would clarify what's going on. And I appreciate that attitude. We we should take that kind of attitude, like the Bible makes sense. This is God. It's good. And then when we don't understand it, to uh, hold that out, ask somebody who knows. And, and sometimes it's a matter of prayer. I mean, and this is uh, the reflections of the fathers of the church uh, from the first centuries of the church are precisely this kind of thing. They read the scripture with with real intent and care and really wanting to understand. And when they ran into different uh, apparent contradictions or things that were unclear, they prayed with these things, reflected on these things, wrote about these things, taught about these things, and sometimes uh, said something early on. And then upon further reflection, adjusted their, their interpretation. And But we have a real wealth of teaching from the early church. And we believe in a special way that uh, some of that was inspired, especially those things where a lot of the different fathers of the church uh, have have the have the same understanding about a particular passage. But to get to the particular point, our listener asks about this teaching from Matthew's gospel, part of Matthew's gospel, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapters five through eight, I believe, eight or nine, I think five through eight. And Jesus, uh, so he quotes from Matthew 5, 17 to 18, in which uh, the evangelist says, Jesus said to his disciples, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen. I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. And then uh, the listener goes on and, and references several passages. He says, it seems in these three instances, Jesus does change the law. And he quotes from Matthew 5, 31 to 32, just shortly after the previous quote, 
where Jesus says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the, the marriage is, law, is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And then quoting just after that, Matthew 5, 38 to 39, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one to him as well. And then quoting from a different gospel, uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 5. So the Pharisees and scribes questioned him, why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? And again, the listener said, I don't think Jesus is contradicting himself, but it's a matter of my misunderstanding. It would be helpful if we could clarify what's going on. So again, the, the main question is, coming back to Jesus's statement, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen. I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. So it's worth recognizing, first of all, the law, when we hear that as Americans, we immediately think of lawyers and courts and breaking laws and policemen and arrests and jail and judgment and sentences and a lot of other things that have to do with the legal system. So the law in the Jewish context is a, a broader concept. It's really talking about the, God's revelation. So the first five books of the scriptures, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy uh, are the books of the law, the Torah in, in Hebrew. And that's really the, the heart of God's revelation in the Old Testament. And then he also includes the prophets. And that was a further elaboration as God addressed his people through the centuries in various circumstances. And we think of the prophet Jeremiah or the prophet Isaiah or the prophet Ezekiel or Hosea or uh, Baruch or any of the, of the minor prophets. So all of this is the God's revelation to his people in that initial law given to Moses on Mount Sinai, but, but really all of the books of Moses, as they're called, those first five books of the scriptures. And then Jesus is also referencing the, the prophets. So the law and the prophets summarizes all of the inspired scriptures is how we think of it. In, in our, we have a broader sense also with the New Testament, but we talk about inspired scriptures, which we believe are really authored by the Holy Spirit. And uh, they're, they're using, of course, human words and human stories and human experiences, but they're really intended by God to reveal himself to us and to teach us. And so to say simply what Jesus is saying, we don't just axe the Old Testament and throw it away as if it's not the revelation of God. God entrusted to us the Old Testament. He entrusted to us the first five books of the scriptures. He entrusted to us the words of the prophets. The church has, in an authoritative way, dis discerned which of these are really inspired by God in the proper sense of that, written by the Holy Spirit through the human authors. Uh, and so we have the, all, all of the books of the Old Testament, and uh, we as Catholics include also the, uh, the, what, the, what are called the deuterocanonical books, and uh, things like Sirach and Wisdom, and uh, some parts of Daniel, and 
Judith and some of these other scriptures, Tobit, but uh, uh, that, that was discerned by the church what, what belongs to that Old Testament canon. And then we also have, of course, the 27 uh, books of the New Testament. And we believe all of that is the fullness of God's revelation. But, but when Jesus comes, he's not just throwing out the Old Testament. He's not abolishing the law or the prophets. He's not getting rid of these divinely revealed teachings of, of God that are part of the fullness of revelation because it's part of God's process of leading us that he encounters a people and he walks with them and he helps them to understand according to their level of understanding. And the people of Israel were not in a place to understand in the way that we are in a place to understand. They didn't have all of the, the history. They didn't have all of the experiences. They didn't have the, the opportunity to digest and take in the, the fuller dimensions of that. But Jesus takes all of that and he doesn't just throw it out. He doesn't just say that was old, now for the new, but rather he fulfills it. And, and one of the things that St. Jerome said is we find the, the New Testament uh, hidden in the old and we find the Old Testament fulfilled in the new. And that's how these, these two testaments really work together. The law and the prophets are brought to a fuller light through the teaching of Jesus. And one of the points that the listener quoted from is a good example of that. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And that was not even just for Israel. That's actually Hammurabi's code that uh, is, a, is the, the law of Mesopotamia. And it was already... a uh, a little bit merciful because it would be it would have been like a life for an eye and a life for a tooth. Uh, so it was actually meant to limit bloodshed to not going beyond an eye for an eye. So, you know, we had to pull. That's actually part of uh, what could be discernible from a really pure heart, what we call the natural law, what we are able to discern through through reason. But that's already pulling people back from the excesses of violence and revenge and the uh, might is right and ruling by the sword. So it's already pulling them back to a sense of justice, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But now Jesus is taking us beyond that. So even an even fuller expression is, as he says, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When one strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one to him as well. And there's some richness in that too, understanding a hit on the right cheek is actually a backhand slap. Whereas to say, I'm, I'm a man and strike me with dignity is inviting you to hit a, an open-handed strike, which is what you do for an equal, uh, rather than the demeaning strike on the right cheek with a backhand. Anyway, Jesus is saying, uh, we are able to stand in a new way because of the revelation that comes to him in Christ. We're able to go beyond justice to a law of charity, which exceeds it and fulfills it. Ultimately, justice is, is fulfilled in Christ and in the, the love that he has revealed to us from the Father. Um, likewise, in terms of the, the teaching on marriage and uh, adultery and divorce, he actually also says, uh, the, the listener didn't, didn't quote it, but he says, that was given to you by Moses because of your hardness of heart. So it's the best that they could do in the Old Testament. And it's actually part of what we call the Deuteronomic law. The, so namos is law, deutero is second. So the second law, there are some additional laws that Moses introduced in the book of Deuteronomy, 
which were not part of the uh, original law given to Moses on Sinai, but were an accommodation for the sins of Israel, which they were not yet redeemed from. So it's not part of God's original vision, you could say, but was given as an accommodation. So when Jesus is raising marriage to a sacrament, he's bringing it to its the fulfillment that it was always meant to have, not just accommodating the weaknesses of the Israelites as was made possible through a, a, a decree of divorce for those whose uh, were had committed adultery or you know for some serious reason that was allowed by by Moses. But it was a secondary law; it wasn't part of the uh, the, the full law that had, had been given by God in the Old Testament. And then the the third quote is in regard to the the food laws, which again were were part of. Uh, part of the law that was was holding Israel together as a people, but but specific to the people of Israel to separate themselves out, to separate them out as a particular nation among all of the other nations. But in in Christ, all uh, all food was made clean. So this is the revelation given to Peter. And again, it's not just axing the Old Testament, but it's bringing it to the fullness that it was meant to have. But they had to pass through this period of, of restriction in order to have the, the period of fulfillment and freedom that they ultimately came to. So uh, these are, I should have just said up front, uh, these are issues that people have written dissertations about, and there's a lot that's involved in all of this. But but hopefully the basic sketch that I'm able to provide here in a, a couple of minutes in our podcast gives a, a sense of this. There's a wonderful chapter. One of the most accessible things that I've read on it is in Pope Benedict's Jesus of Nazareth. In the first volume of that, he goes through and has a, a wonderful treatment of this whole Sermon on the Mount and some of these words in particular. And I'd, I'd, re, I'd refer our, our listeners to that if they want to go deeper into it. But just again, the uh, the basic thing is we're not we're not just getting rid of the Old Testament, but Jesus is bringing that law, which is more limited, to a greater fulfillment, which happens in his person as the lawgiver. Uh, it happens he is the one who actually fulfills the law to its uh, to its letter. He followed all of the food laws, for example, and. Um, now, I should say, actually, the last point that the listener made, the, the scribes and Pharisees are talking about washing hands and the tradition of the elders. That wasn't in the law. That was something, there were a number of accretions that were added by the Pharisees over time as interpretations of the law. So Jesus, as the lawgiver, he actually holds to what is, uh, what is given in the Old Testament. And he, in his person, also fulfills all of it and, and follows it. He doesn't follow all of the accretions that were added on by the interpreters, the scribes and Pharisees over the generations. So anyway, a lot of lot of different moving parts there. And I'll, I'll let you uh, offer a, a few words and reflections, Joe, and we can go a little deeper. Certainly. And one of the things that I really like about this is you obviously know all of your stuff. Um, you, you're not fumbling through it, trying to, to, to come up with answers as we go along. And as you mentioned there, our level of understanding and your level of understanding on this is pretty high. Um, I don't know the the absolute scale, but but incredibly high in scale, which is why I find as as I've gone through some old episodes, it sounds like I've asked you similar questions throughout the years, and it's because each little morsel builds upon another. As you mentioned there with Israelites, they weren't ready for all of it at once. 
Um, you know, you need to have building experiences and, and time to live with it to be able to truly grow. And one of the things that, that was coming across to me as you were articulating that is in this current generation um, of where we're at on this planet, we are in a spot in time where we don't read anything without viewing it from the way that we should be doing it now. And one of the things I've done as I've gotten older is I've gone through historians and actually read some of the base texts that they got information from that they were writing their, their various pieces on. And one thing has become very clear the closer you get to basically 2010. Um, and it, it goes through waves throughout history, I'm sure, but we're certainly in a point of it being higher that we view the material through where we're at in our society. And this concept that you have to learn things and build upon them to get better gets lost. So as you were going through examples there of how Jesus actually is going through and softening what the laws and the customs were, and we're starting from a different spot of what the law even is, that we're, that we're putting all this extra judgment and things upon it, and it's really being a disservice to us when we would get more value from immersing ourselves in the situation of what it actually is or was rather than what we think everyone should have been. Um, Cause creating almost this dull fantasy takes away from it. You know, if you, if you put, you know, this is what Jesus should have done. You know, I know better. I know what Jesus should have done. This was wrong. Well, that's going to put you in a, certainly a, a bad situation where you're going to come from a spot of, of judgment and incorrectness rather than sitting and accepting that, this is what it was, and this is why it was. And that's why I'm so glad you're able to give some backstory that, no, this this just sounds harder because we live in a world where if you tell someone some words they didn't want to hear, now you're a bully, regardless of whether you can control anything or not. And Jesus is coming from a world where it wasn't an eye for an eye, it was an eye for a life. Like, we're talking two totally different things and yet, we're trying to pass judgment upon the way that Jesus tried to teach and talk. So, I go back to your starting point where you said, many people have thought about this. And I think about things just um, from a pure mathematical standpoint with no morals. Physics deals with this same problem all the time. And you can see how very famous scientists that we hold on high degrees, Newton, Einstein... They'll be looking at the same problem and fighting about how you're doing it wrong and you're doing it right. But no one ever goes back and goes, well, that means Newton knew nothing because Einstein showed some of his things were different. But for some reason, there's this thought process when we talk about the organized religion of Catholicism that because further reflection hundreds, thousands of years later shows that maybe this direction was partially right but needs modified there's this impulse to throw it all away and say, Oh, I just shouldn't be part of it. So I know that's a little bit different than the direction that, that the, the, the listener's no, no, question I was really, going, but I, I really think that like that's that a example. important thought. Yeah. I really like that example of, uh, you know, Newton's law of, you know, we're talking about anyway, different kinds of laws, but, but it's a, it's a useful connection. 
you know, Newton's law of gravity that that objects fall at 9.8 meters per second squared, regardless of their mass. And it was, uh, you know, it was striking that he figured that out. And then the the law of inertia, his, his various uh, laws of motion. And they, Newton's laws were sufficient to get a man on the moon, really. I mean, uh, so it, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, really deep and meaningful and thorough and, and useful and whatever else. Um, but as you say, uh, Einstein with things that are very large and then in quantum mechanics, things that are very small, things seem to behave a little bit differently. And so that doesn't negate Newton's law, but it expands it. It, it, it adds uh, a, another dimension to it. So that's a, that's a useful way to, to look at it. Um, as you said, you know, the, uh, it's not a it's not a contradiction. We're not going to throw out the old, but we understand the new in light of the old. In fact, and so we need to hold on to that. and And it's one of the things that's really great. I, whenever I encourage people to you know read the scriptures, to grow in their faith, to hear God, uh, because the scriptures really are His word, the Old Testament is harder for us uh, for a variety of reasons. But I encourage people always start with the Gospels. And then the, the letters of St. Paul. And then one easy way to get into the Old Testament is through the Psalms. They're, they're God's prayer book, we could say. But as we grow in faith, you know, and I, I've been at this, I mean, uh, I was whatever, baptized. I started reading the scriptures 25 years ago or something like that. And I have read the scriptures every day for the last 25 years. I mean, uh, I, I have been at this for a long time and I do generate a lot of questions and I read a lot of things about these things. And so... Um, and the point is, one of the really beautiful things that happens is when we start to have enough of a grasp of the key points, the lens of the, old, of the New Testament, the fulfillment in Christ, and then we can look back at the Old Testament and we can see like, wow, God was preparing for all of this. He had to move the people in their understanding, in their identity as a people, in their relationship with him. He had to move them from much more uh, violent contexts and different cultural uh, patterns. He had to he had to move them in various ways, steadily, slowly, uh, through individuals and as peoples. And he has his own divine pedagogy, his own method of teaching. Um, but we start to see how the New Testament there are seeds of it planted in the old. Even looking back at Adam uh, and and the way that he is called to worship. We get glimpses of, of Christ, the new Adam, already in paradise. We, get, we start to see how the, the story of salvation unfolded. And, and there's great things. Uh, you know, Ascension Press has Jeff Caven's Great Adventure, for example. And uh, we can see the whole story of salvation history and how it unfolded. And we can start to see all the things that were prepared with the Old Testament way of worship and the sacrifices in the temple and uh, the Old Testament priesthood and and the way that God led his people through is through uh, the desert and the way that the prophets exhorted them and the way that different things were prepared. So it gets really excited when exciting when we're able to look back into that. We don't start there usually. You, you know, usually we start with what's more accessible to us, the the fullness of revelation in Christ. And then once we have some grasp of that and a relationship with him, then we can really dive into that and and I'm, I'm so grateful that we didn't just get rid of the Old Testament. I'm so grateful that Jesus held on to it, of course, and because it's really God being revealed through, uh, 
through a veil, uh, through you know some obscurity, but really opened up when we have that lens of the New Testament, when we're able to see it through the, the revelation that's come to us in Christ, then it's, it's really exciting to make all of those connections and discover those, those deeper insights that are there. Yeah, and one last analogy that, that comes to me as well as I'll conclude this episode is, you know, most of the time when we go to a building of grand significance or even our individual um, houses, you know, we show the living room, dining room, maybe the kitchen as it looks great. But very rarely are we ever showing off the foundations and, and the mechanicals and the furnaces and all that. But you don't have a functional building without it. It just doesn't work. And yeah, it, it can be hard to go through Deuteronomy and Chronicles and, and, and some stuff like that. But there is certainly value in them. Um, I, I personally think wisdom is, is my favorite one for the Old Testament. But th- there's certainly some value in that and and just because it doesn't look the same and anything like that doesn't mean that it's not worth having and just like we are looking back 2,000 years from now to the new testament there was also a period of time that jesus had from where he was at from the beginning of the old testament um and you see how that's a way that people have changed we kind of accepted that they were different they acted differently than in moses's time then in the time of Jeremiah, um, then in the time of Pilate. And that was just the way it was, and we we're learning from it. It wasn't passing judgment upon it. So with and, that being oh, sorry. And uh, I love that. Uh, I love the house analogy because the foundations are kind of ugly. You know, they're, uh, they're, they're difficult to take in, but you really appreciate them when you start to think about, wow, this is really supporting the weight. I like that. I, I also, you know, just to take it a, away from a construction image into a love image. Um, You know, relationships start with clumsy expressions of love. And uh, I'm so grateful when people don't throw away their first love letters uh, or throw away their first gestures of love. We look back at those things and we go, oh gosh, you know, it was like, I didn't really know myself. I didn't really know this other person. Um, I have such a more deeper, richer, fuller way of expressing that now. But the seeds were already there in the beginning. And and it's great to remember those initial stories. And we understand them more deeply now when we look back like, wow, I thought you were I really thought a different thing about you. And now I see where that's coming from. And and, uh, so anyway, these this is how life unfolds. Uh, All of our stories unfold. And so it's how our 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 faith and our relationship with God is unfolded as well. Beautiful. And on that note, like I said, we, we thank everyone for listening here. We've gotten to the conclusion of today's episode. Please continue to, uh, to follow us and subscribe to us. And if you're on Apple, please write us a review. Um, I cannot ask that enough. So thank you guys very much. And we will be with you again next week.